Therapy can be life-changing and wonderful, and it can also be, frankly, not all that helpful. As a therapist for over 12 years who now runs a whole team of amazing clinicians, I am far from anti-therapy, but I also became a certified coach because I didn't want to be limited in the kind of work I can do and who I can support. I'm Valerie Martin, aka Bad Bitch Therapist, and in this podcast, we're going to talk about the shit your therapist may not tell you, because real talk, not all therapists are good at their jobs, but also a lot of therapy training is rigid and outdated, and your therapist might not work in a way that actually challenges you. Without compassionate challenging, your growth will be limited. So if you're with me, let's bust out of the traditional psychotherapy box and talk about wellness and high performance in ways that will make an even bigger impact in your life. Let's fucking go. Hello, podcast fam. Welcome back to Shit Your Therapist Won't Tell You. And I'm so grateful that you're here listening I will share a little bit about what's been going on with me, introduce you to our guest today, and we'll get into the episode. So it's Tuesday as I'm recording this, and in a couple days, my husband and I will head out with a couple friends of ours on a trip to LA. It was originally for a concert because Death Cab for Cutie is touring that I can't remember, 20th anniversary, I guess, of the album Transatlanticism, which is so good, one of my favorite albums, and also touring the Postal Service Give Up album, the, the side project, and I loved that album too, so this was like a tour that we knew we had to go on, and they weren't coming anywhere within driving distance of Nashville, weirdly enough, it's a small tour, so we're like, all right, we're gonna go to LA, where Built to Spill is opening, another band we love, so that's super exciting. And then we'd had tickets for that for a few months, and then Brandi Carlisle announced that she's also playing at the Hollywood Bowl the night before. And so we're like, we can't pass that up. We love Brandi. So two concerts at the Hollywood Bowl back to back, it's going to be crazy. And the day before that, we are doing Disneyland. And since we're doing just one day, you know, we're going to like pack it in super intensely. (laughs) It's going to be really fun. It's going to be exhausting. I can't wait. So that's what's going on with me right now. What I'm watching, in addition to The X-Files, which if you caught last the last episode before this, I'm watching The X-Files for the first time along with the podcast The EX X-Files, which I'm still loving, but I'm also watching The Bear finally. Everyone kept telling me how amazing The Bear was, and I was like, yeah, 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 there's too many great shows. Can't watch them all. But we did finally start watching The Bear. And we're maybe seven or eight episodes in and really enjoying it. I mean, just as a as an anti-diet ethical vegan, it is a little unpleasant to see all the animals being cooked, but I do love the show. And then reading, I am reading a novel called The Unfortunate Side Effects of Heartbreak and Magic by Brianne Randall. I joined the Book of the Month Club. I'm like, I don't know why I never thought of this, but I love the idea of being in the Book of the Month Club. And so that was my first book. So I got it on like, you know, 10 bucks deal for a hardcover. It's a lovely hardcover. And I'm really enjoying the book. And what I'm loving is a couple of things uh, that I brought to our team gathering on Sunday. I brought 
a batch of cookies that is from the book. So I won't share that recipe. You'll have to get the book if you want the recipe, but they are carrot cake cookies with a cream cheese glaze and I made them vegan and gluten-free and those were so good. There's more in the fridge and I'm probably gonna get one right after this. <laughs> so the carrot cake cookies and I also brought fire cider, which if you've never had it, it's like a very potent concoction of like this particular recipe had apple cider vinegar, turmeric, pineapple, fresh horseradish root, fresh ginger root, honey, lime, garlic, and all blended together. So I guess with traditional fire ciders, you, you don't necessarily blend it, but you like set everything together in a jar and let it sit for a couple weeks. And then it's good for a while after that. But this was like a quickie, like make it in 15 minutes kind of thing. And it's still good for a, a several weeks in the fridge, but you just take like a little shot of it. It's like I said, very potent, intense flavors, but I happen to love it. I think it tastes great. You can also mix it in with like olive oil for a salad dressing or mix it in with a mocktail or cocktail. And so I really love that. And I used a recipe from minimal Minimalist Baker that I will include in the show notes. So let me tell you about our guest, Amanda Yella. You will hear in the in interview how we met, how we encountered each other. And it's was just a very sweet experience for me, healing that sisterhood wound, right? And Amanda's just a really cool person, and I'm going to be on her podcast soon, so I will share about that a bit later on. But let me tell you about her. Amanda Yoa is a powerhouse community leader, speaker, and podcast host out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who calls herself the hype woman for the glass ceiling break-in, next level living women in the making. She hosts the podcast Stayin' Inspired with Amanda Yoa and leads a networking and self-development community called Next Level Woman, featuring weekly online meetings as well as in-person and virtual events. For more, visit amandayoa.com and connect with her on Instagram at amandayoa.official. Let's get into the conversation with Amanda Yoa. Amanda Yoa, I am so stoked to be sitting here talking with you today. Thanks for coming on the pod. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I was waiting all week to uh, over the weekend looking forward to this chat. So we are here. We're going to do it. Yes, we are. And anyone who is listening and not watching on YouTube, at some point, you'll have to go and check a clip on the YouTube because Amanda has this killer lighting situation we were just talking about. Apparently, it's called up lighting. So yes. I'm going to have to up my lighting game, perhaps, because I'm <laughs> very impressed with your setup. <laughs> it does really make all the difference, especially yeah. if you're on a budget. So yes. if you're falling on a budget and just trying to make it things look next level, up lighting from Amazon. And no, I did not get plugged to say that. <laughs> but Amazon, and if I, you're listening, let's go. I love that. I love that, too, because one of my messages is is like Lux. And I have a coach who says Lux, but make it lean. And I love that because it's oh, like, we cool. can absolutely be Lux and just like extra yep. on a budget. Yeah. <laughs> Bougie on a budget. Yes. Love that. <laughs> so I'm going to say a little bit about how we met is I think maybe through a hashtag or something, you found one of my posts on Instagram and liked it. And I remember seeing your account and I was like, Oh, oh my gosh, this woman, like she, she's like a baller and she like your, your branding, our colors are quite similar. Our messaging yep. is quite similar. 
And so then when you reached out to me, I was like so surprised and grateful because like, I think my thought might've been like, oh, well, she's clearly been doing this longer than me. So, oh, is she going to think that I like copied her or, oh, we're too similar. And so we're competitors. And that was one of the things that I I know is a part of your message is like collaboration over competition. So I would just love for you to share a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, it can be really hard, I think, when you're starting out from a business perspective, if there's any, you know, entrepreneurs out there listening, entrepreneurs, it can be really intimidating when, you know, you have all these wonderful ideas and, you know, you haven't really had the 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 gumption or whatever it is to take off and do the thing and then you do the thing and then you see someone else doing something similar to you and you're like, "Well, what the hell? Like I'm doing that." Right. Why or I even I, bother. <laughs> yeah. Like, or I speak on that. Why is she speaking on that? But I've, I've realized, you know, there's been so much growth and opportunity in my life when I looked at things. Firstly, I knew that if I looked at things through the eyes of, you know, somebody triggering me, like if you see someone who's already in the game doing the thing and they have the same vibe as you and same style they use the same graphics but they're already been doing it you know in, in a way if that if that triggers you you know that there's some inner work there that needs to be done you know that that person's triggering you in a way because there's something that they have there's a point that they're at that you feel like you can't get to because of whatever reason so you know i implore you to look within and see what's there because you'll be surprised that there's there's something there for you definitely i always say you point one finger you got three pointing back Actually, a good friend of mine told me that and I've just always Mm -hmm. took it and ran with it. But I always give her a shout out. But yeah, you point one finger, you got three looking back. So, you know, first do the inner work. But then, you know, once you get over all those things, you realize that there's so much more opportunity and advancement for growth when you do reach out to those women who you vibe with. Because in reality, like you're you vibe with those people, right? Like they have the same style as you. They like the same thing as you. They're your people, essentially. So you're cutting yourself off from opportunities if you want to act like, you know, quite frankly, like a bitter Betty. No offense to any of the Bettys. My (laughs) grandmother's name is Betty. It's a wonderful name. But, you know, it's like you're cutting yourself off from wonderful opportunities and advancements for growth, advancements for other opportunities for your business, you know, that wouldn't be presented your way had you not reached out and put your ego aside and said, hey, like, I think we can make something amazing happen here, you know? So, For me, it's always collaboration over competition. And that's what I like to preach and, you know, with my community of women, because, you know, let's face it, sometimes us women, we can be catty. And when you put a bunch of women in a room, you know, (laughs) so you have to really be clear on, you know, explaining that, you know, together we uh, create that next level self together. We create opportunity together. We create growth all the things together, we can make it happen. So always collaboration over competition. Yeah. Mm, Love that. Yeah. And like, we can heal those sister wounds, like that cattiness that comes out of scarcity and believing there's not enough to go around. And like, when we get to experience some of my best friends are people who do very similar things to me. And so it's like, like you're saying, I I never would have developed those relationships if I'd stayed in that place of competition and scarcity. So it's, there's so much that can happen if we just like team up. So I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's knowing at the end of the day, even though like you have some similarities with people at the end of the day, you're so unique. Right. And it's like only you can bring 
what you bring to the table. And when you try to show up, because I've seen this too, like a lot of women, when they show up, I myself have done it. I went through a hat phase. If you scroll down on my Instagram, it's there. I thought like (laughs) you had to wear these cute little trendy fedora hat in order to be like a successful coach and entrepreneur. And that's, and it wasn't me. Like Mm. that was not me, you know? So showing up every day became so hard and it, it it took so much effort to show up because I wasn't showing up as me. And then one day I was like, I can't do this anymore. Why don't I just like, I don't know, be me. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) You know? So it's like, even though you have similarities with other women and you like the same things and maybe you use the same, you know, specifically speaking on Instagram, you use the same graphics or whatever. At the end of the day, you are so unique. And the more you step into that uniqueness, the more you will draw the people that are meant for you and your community. Mm-hmm. Amen. Cool. So I see your shirt that you have on today. It's a Philly thing. So yeah. you are repping from Philly. Yep. I will say that I've never been and the extent of my Philly knowledge comes from the show Abbott Elementary that I'm obsessed with. But you really give that. I mean, I know the sort of Philly reputation and it's you've got that bad bitch vibe going. So I would just love to know how your Philly roots have shaped your personality and like what makes your gifts unique. Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think for me, it's always been and again, This goes back to trying to show up as something that I was not. I remember when I first started stepping in to coaching, I used to do like one-on-one and group coaching. There was a man, I went on Clubhouse, which is like a social audio app, and there's rooms in there and clubs and just amazing people. And there was a gentleman by the name of Glenn Morshower. He is a, he's an actor don't ask me what he's, he's going to kill me if he heard this, but he's, he's in a lot of shows. So look him up. Google we'll link him, him in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. You'll find a lot of information about him, but he's a very knowledgeable man, always wanting to, you know, spread just love and, and, and knowledge for people to grow and step into what it is that they're meant to do. But I remember one time having a conversation with him and saying, you know, I really, I know I'm meant to make an impact. I'm ready to take next level steps, but Like, I don't know if people are going to take me serious. Like, I'm a girl from like a blue collar neighborhood in Philly. I'm like right outside of Center City in the Riverward section in a little neighborhood called Port Richmond. So, you know, I'm like, who's going to take me serious? Like, listen to me. Like, Mm -hmm. who's going to (laughs) take this accent seriously? You know, I love it. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, your accent is what makes you unique. Like, that's what you're going to bring to the table. And just your whole attitude, too, because, you know, growing up in the city, especially in Philly, you know, we're very tell it how it is. And, you know, for me, I just I've always been that way, you know, with compassion and kindness and understanding, you know, we're all at different levels of life. But I've just always had a way of just saying things that can be relatable to people casually telling it how it is. And I shied away from doing all that. And again, showing up became so hard because I was not being me. And I brought, you know, I finally got to that point. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Let me just show up as me. So, you know, I, I try to bring everything that is me to the table, you know, growing up in those neighborhoods, I take pride in my neighborhood, you know, list just remembering all the things as a kid growing up, you know, doing city kid stuff, racing down the street and playing under the fire plug at the corner, you know, just so all those things I try to bring into, you know, my branding, 
and I try to use pictures from Philly. So, you know, it, it's really shaped me in the way that I interact with people. I'm very real. I'm very transparent. You know, I tell it how it is. I give you what you need. Sometimes it's not what you really want, but at the end of the day, it's what you need in order to grow, right? Like I don't sugarcoat things, but I do at the end of the day, remember to, to meet people where they are Mm -hmm. and, you know, just always bringing that love and compassion and, and remember reminding people that I do come from a place of love and compassion, but yeah, you know, us, us Philly people, we have that grit. We have that tenacity to go after whatever it is that is ours I try to use the, you know, the, the underdog, you know, Philly is always known to be the underdog. And when our backs up against the the wall, we, we show up and we show out. So, you know, I like to bring that to my community of women, just implementing that energy into them so that they can do the things that they want to do and take those next level steps. So, yeah, I love Philly. I love all things Philly. All things Hell really. yeah. yeah. Cool. And another piece of your background, I know, is that you had 12 years oh, of perfect <laughs> attendance. I'm like, how does this <laughs> even happen? And what would happen when you were sick? Was it like a hardcore, like, I don't care that you're sick, you're going to school? Like, yeah, like what how like did this happen? <laughs> yeah. You know what? And and although I take pride because I mean I I showed up every day for 12 years. I often use this as a as a lesson that I've learned of the energy that you put into things when you're doing things for yourself versus mm-hmm. when you're doing things for other people. Because I, you know, at the end when I graduated high school, they had an award, you know, they give out awards and I remember my principal, whoever it was, getting on the microphone and saying, you know, and the following student has had perfect attendance for 12 years, like all dramatic, right? And there was like this huge gasp in the uh, the whole audience. I went, <gasps> and I'm like, I'm looking around and I'm my head's down and I'm like, guys, it's me. And all my friends are like, get the hell out of here. I was like, no, really, it's me. So they're like, Amanda Vermenko. That was my maiden name. So I get up and I get my award. And at the end of the day, I felt like just saying, here you go, mom, like this, this was for you, you know, yeah, because really, like, I didn't want to show up like that. There were days where I was sick and I just wanted to chill. Yeah, I didn't want to have to get up and go to school sick as a dog, you know, like I wanted to rest. And, you know, there are times when you need that rest. Nowadays, I don't even think my mom would be able to force me to go to school with the illnesses that we have going around. But at that time, it was like, you're going to school. I don't care how sick you are. So, yeah, I always use that as a lesson of although I was, you know, now I'm looking back, you know, I find some pride in that showing up for 12 years. But at the end of the day, was it what I wanted to do? No, I did it for my mom. So, you know, I always, I always bring that as a lesson for women, you know, are you showing up to please other people or are you showing up to please yourself? Cause you'll see there's a different, you can differentiate the energy when you show up and do something for you versus doing something to please other people. Yes. And it's so funny. Cause I also use that, that kind of example when I talk about like developing your inner parent, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, there most of us don't really want to be that authoritarian parent who's like, I don't care that you have 101 fever, like get your ass in the car, you're going to school, yeah. right? Like that's mm-hmm. 
that when we think of treating another human that way, like a child that way, it's like, oh, no, that's that's harsh. Right. But also we don't want to be the parent who's like, oh, you have like a little tummy ache. Oh, sure. Just stay home. Right. And like you're doing that, you know, six times a month. Like it's yeah. just we know we don't want to be either side because the reality is as human beings, like we do need boundaries and limits and structure. And mm-hmm. also we need attunement and compassion and recognition of like, no, actually, yeah, you should probably stay home. Right. So it's like you weren't really given that. And now you have that sort of example to share. So when we're developing our own ways of kind of, oh, should I push myself or should I like give myself grace here? That's what I think of is like be the inner parent that you would want to be to another human being who you love. Yeah. And, you know, it took me a really long time. Like now with my kids, I have two kids, my daughter, Anna, she's 10. And then my son is Jojo's five. So, you know, like they've missed school. But I remember like with my daughter, because she's my first making that decision to not send her to school. I was yeah. kind of like a part of me was like, oh, like that. Is this OK? Like, am I wrong for letting her stay home she's not gonna have perfect attendance (laughs) yeah but then I remembered back to like no Amanda there was days when you were sick as a dog and your mom made you go to school and you didn't want to be there and you didn't do anything when you were there you know and you want to what am I teaching her by by forcing her to go to school not feeling well that's the the, these are not the life skills that I want to teach her so you know now they stay home when they're sick and I take care of them and and all the things but Mm. Yeah, it took that took me a little bit to to rewind or rewire. rewire I guess yeah, say. and like heal those intergenerational patterns, yep. right? Yep. And that relates to one thing I wanted to talk to you about is like, I mean, again, we have a similar message in that we really are like calling women up to their to their next level, to their highest self, like calling them up to their desires and their dreams. And and pushing, you know, ourselves, right? So I'm just kind of curious how you grapple with that desire to push yourself, your community to that next level while also grounding into the reality that like we are enough, we have enough, we're doing enough. Mm. Well, you know, I always say, you know, it's it's not so much what you do, it's who you are. Like I even have people on my podcast and I shifted my whole layout of my podcast, because I thought, you know, this is, it it was just getting to be a little weird for me to have people come on and constantly talk about what they do. And I said, you know what, I want people to come on and talk about what they do. But more importantly, I want people to come on and and display who they are, Mm -hmm. right, their being in the things that they're doing, because that's really what hits home, right? It's understanding who we are and what we do. And realizing that who you are and what you do makes all the difference. And I always use this as an example. Like you see celebrity status people out there doing the thing, you know, in, in all in all different fields. You have it in coaching, you have it in the entertainment world, music world, whatever. And you think to yourself, you know, you, you see a headline in the news, so-and-so's depressed or, you know, not in a rut, not doing well, suffering from this, that, and the other. And you're thinking to yourself, why would they be so unhappy? They have everything. They have money. They have fame. They have, you know, all the things in life that we always strive for. What? Why would they be be that way? And it's like, well, you don't know what energy they were in and the things that they were doing. Who were they doing it for? Again, were they trying to achieve 12 years of perfect attendance for their mom? <laughs> you know, trying to but, get that but, Oscar yeah. for mommy? 
Yeah. Like, are they, were they doing things, you know, frankly, were they doing things to please other people or were they really living out their, their passion and their purpose from a place of authenticity from alignment, you know? So there's a difference when you show up for you and when you show up for other people, and then it's always important, you know, for the women in my community, I always stress, you know, finding time for yourself. You know, I always often talk about having that balance, especially, you know, a lot of women who are starting businesses who are moms, you know, it's like, how do I find the time to be present with my family, to be present with my kids or, you know, my significant other, my other family members, whoever, and, and do the thing that I want to do. And there are ways to do it. You know, is it a difference is, will you have to make a change to your routine? Of course. If you can't find time, will you have to sometimes buy time? Of course, you'll have to invest in yourself, invest in people that are going to help create your dreams and, you know, create into a reality. But there is, if there is a will, there is a way, but there's always, you know, I implore everyone to always find that balance in who they are and what they're doing. Because if you don't, you're going to quickly find yourself burnt out. You're going to find yourself comparing yourself to other people. You're going to find yourself, you know, getting bitter, resentful, agitated, all the things. And you'll quickly realize it's because you're not, your being is not aligned with your doing and you got to pump the brakes and bring it back. And there's, there's different ways that I do that, you know, for myself, but yeah, you know, it's all about who you are and what you do Hmm. for sure. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me too, of the importance of like, like you said, pumping the brakes that even even if I do feel like I'm doing something that's really aligned and I'm like so excited to do it, it's almost even more important to remember to like, okay, every hour I've got to get up, right? I've got to get a snack. I've got to get some water. I've got to move around because it's like that hyper-focus thing. And it's even if it feels really good while you're doing it, if you're, you know, putting the, the gas pedal to the floor for like six hours on end, you're going to be exhausted and depleted at the end of the day, even if you loved it while you're doing it. So it's like those that forced kind of self-care, which yeah. we just have to be intentional about. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of like doing the thing, whatever it is that you're wanting to do, I think an important part, and it comes from a place of being, because you mentioned something that I wanted to touch on, you know, that that end goal, you know, like we all have that tunnel vision sometimes, especially when you are a, I call them goal getters or goal diggers, not G-O-L-D-G-O-A-L. Mm. You know, my goal friends, as I like to call them, you know, you get so hyper-focused on having that one outcome and it has to look this way and it has to be this way that in reality, you could be cutting yourself off from so many amazing things that are happening for you around you because you feel that this one expectation, this one outcome is what has to be. When in reality, you need to trust in yourself, trust in who you are. And a foundational way to do that is to really build your core values. You know, what do you stand for? And are you making moves from those core values? And when you start doing that, you'll be able to trust in the decisions that you're making trust in the moves that you're making, and more importantly, trust in the pivots. A lot of people label pivots as failures. I call them pivots because it's just another opportunity to align yourself with something that is more for you than what you expected. So, you know, really tapping into your core values. You know, I anyone listening, you're like, well, I don't have any core values. What the hell are they? 
Google them, (laughs) Pinterest them. That's a great way to start out and just look at different ones and say, you know what? I really align with that. I really align with that too. You know, and if you want to take it a step further and get like trendy and cool, you can make a little acronym for them and then, you know, just keep them in your pocket and look at them and, you know, really harness them when you're making decisions. And you will find that it is a lot easier to trust in the moves that you make because you're, you're moving from those, those core values. Mm-hmm. And going back to like the who you are, I, I know most of us have like some of those big pivot moments in life, like oh, yeah. are some of the roughest moments, right? The moments that teach us the most about who we are and what our values are and the kind of person that we want to be come from those really fucking rough times, right? So I I know you've had some of those times yourself and I would love to hear anything you want to share about like a rock bottom experience or just, you know, what you've learned from some of your hardest times. Oh yeah. I mean, I so I started I always tell this story of my daughter. She was my red flag and a lot of people a lot of people are like, man, that your daughter's your red flag. I'm like, yeah, it was the best red flag I could have ever received because I was living. Sometimes I feel like we're so stuck and so oblivious to, you know, what we should be doing in life that we don't even realize that we're, we're honestly, we are oblivious to the stuckness, the unhappiness, depression, anxiety. And I, I'm so thankful for postpartum, because I think that really heightened everything that I already had going on and made it like to where I couldn't live anymore. And I really, I, I always encourage everybody to, you know, reach out. There are resources to people that can help you, you know, before it gets to that point. But sometimes we're unaware that we're living unhappy that we're living in like survival mode, you know? And for me, I was in that. I had like no sense of self. I really didn't have anything going for me in terms of a career. I actually quit my job when I had my daughter and I was fortunate enough to be a stay-at-home mom. So that opened up like a whole window of space for me to just be with myself. So I'm sitting there and I have this little human and I'm like, oh my God, like for the first time in my life, I finally followed through with something. I had like a child and she's here. I did it. Like I really didn't have a choice. She was coming whether I wanted to or not. But, you know, for me, it was like we did something for the first time. But at the same time, I was like, holy shit. Like now I have this human that's watching me. And I remember back from when I was a kid, you know, the the things that I took the most were not what, you know, people tell people told me things that people told me. It's who they were the things that they did that I watched and I took in those things. Right. So I thought to myself, she's going to be watching me now. What am I doing? I'm not really doing much. So maybe I should like get off my ass and do something. Right. So that sent me down like a whole journey of just finding myself because before that I was kind of just living to please other people, you know, like, and I, I, went to nursing school right out of high school. That wasn't for me. Then I thought, okay, let me maybe psychology. No, that wasn't for me. Then I was like, maybe I'll be a cop. Thank God I did not do that in the city of Philadelphia. No offense. I back the blue, but it's no, you know, so, so many things I tried to do 
from the energy of just trying to please other people. And I lost myself in that process. So having her, she was my red flag to Amanda, you need to start living a life that is for you so that you can show her how to live because she's going to be watching your every move. And what are you doing? So, you know, that for me was my rock bottom moment. Now it took me some strength to finally like get up and do it. Like I knew it was there. I knew it had to be done, but I was scared, right? Like change is scary. It's scary. No matter what you're doing, no matter what level you reach in life, hate to tell you, you're always going to be scared when you're stepping into the new and unknown. It's like, we are wired that way as humans. And I, in 2016, my father-in-law passed away from lung cancer. And he was 59 years old. He was very much not ready to leave this earth. You know, he he just had a a granddaughter, my daughter. So, you know, his family was expanding. These are the moments that he was supposed to be enjoying life. And sadly, he lost his life. And for me, that was like a shock to my system. Quite frankly, it was like, you know, life is not promised. Here is a man that had no idea that in just a couple of short years after receiving his diagnosis, he was no longer going to be on this earth, let alone have that illness. You know, so it's like you never know what life throws your way. So now's the time, like get up and make things happen. It's not going to be easy, but nothing worth doing is. So that was like my final moment where I was like, I need to make a change. And I would have to say it was definitely a rock bottom moment for me because I was, you know, 300 pounds. I had depression. I had anxiety. I had panic disorder. I was having multiple panic attacks a day. I was honestly surviving each day. Every day I woke up and said, let's just make it through the day. Let's just make it through the day. And I finally got to that point where I'm like, I'm tired of feeling like I'm just making it through the day. I want to wake up and feel like I'm. it's worth living. You know, my life is worth living because I have something for me. I'm in my passion and my purpose. So yeah, I always attribute my daughter and then my father-in-law to to making those moves for my life. And I'm I'm so grateful that I did. But that is my rock bottom moment for sure. Mm, wow. Okay. I feel like one of the things that's so powerful about that story is the distinction between it's like doing it for other people in one way versus doing it for other people, but also yourself, right? Like it was the other people in your life who you deeply cared for, where you're like, if I'm not living my truth, if I'm not fully living my life, I am doing, I am not honoring them. I am doing a disservice to them. I am not showing my daughter the kind of, you know, woman that I want her to see. Right. So it's like, it's not really for them in the people pleasing sense, but it's like, this is our that's our interdependence, right? Right. Like we do motivate each other and that's not a bad thing. I think sometimes people kind of conflate people pleasing with being motivated by relationships and Mm -hmm. being motivated by relationships is healthy, right? Like when people are at a rock bottom place and they're like, yeah, I only went to rehab because, you know, my parents made me or my wife threatened to leave me or whatever. And people are like, oh no, you have to be ready for them to change. No, sometimes when we're at our lowest, we're so in the tunnel. The only thing that's going to get us to see clearly is to get the help first for someone else or like to do it because of someone else. And then we're like developing that like, okay, I'm also doing this for me, but it doesn't always have to start there. Right. It's just like, you know, going to the gym. Like for me, I need to have like a trainer 
because otherwise I'm not going to show up. <laughs> like I need to know that somebody is physically there waiting for me. Like Amanda, <laughs> you're on the clock. Where are you at? Right. And then once I get into the habit of showing up for my trainer, I start showing up for myself. <laughs> I mean, it's like kind of like an interchangeable yes. reaction. Like I'm showing up for my trainer. I don't want him to get upset with me. But at the end of the day, I'm still showing up for me. I'm doing the workout for me. And then, you know, that crush can be let go and you have the strength to carry on. Right. So I always say I always give that analogy because I think it's the most relatable. It's like, you know, you ha all have your moments of motivation and inspiration. And sometimes it takes that it takes somebody else, someone's story to, you know, have that relatability to light that spark within you. And, you know, I think relatability is is the power word here because when you see somebody that you relate with and you're like, you know, okay, if they did it, I can do it too. And that's why I feel like, you know, being so casual and candid about things, I don't want to ever have anybody feel when they look at me, like, you know, she's better than me. Like I'm shoulder to shoulder with my community. If I can do, if this girl from a blue collar neighborhood in Philly can do it, trust me, you can do it too. Right. So it's like finding that relatability to light that spark, to be your crutch, to start you on that journey so that you can build the strength to then walk alone. Yeah. And that accountability, like needing accountability or even yeah. preferring having accountability is not a weakness. Right. Right. And it's like, yeah, for some people with whatever the thing is, it might be the the training wheels. But I am the first to say like. I need accountability with some things forever, like yeah. forever and ever. And and it's different for every person, right? Like I can work out in my, my home gym that's hidden behind my little tapestry here. <laughs> I can do that. I know how to do that. And I don't seem to not need accountability for that. But there's so many other things that right. if I don't have accountability for, I can know all of the tools, all the strategies, all the reasons, but I still benefit from that accountability. And I know accountability is a big thing in your work and your community. And it's like just people recognizing it is not a weakness to need that or to want it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I love the most about my community is, you know, other women who have all these like wonderful ideas and, you know, just being in that space of support where you can bounce ideas and be inspired by the moves that other people are making and not saying everyone has to harness on to everyone, what everyone else is doing. You know, it's like, we all have our thing that we're doing, but you know, that seeing that person like setting forth and taking action and making forward momentum that may need give you the kick in the butt that you need on the days when you don't feel like showing up. Right. Cause it's hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. Taking next level moves is extremely hard. So, you know, creating that space where we can hold each other accountable, knowing like, something I'm going to say today might strike somebody in a way where it's exactly what they need it. Even if it's in a moment of like weakness, a moment of like, Hey guys, I really need support. This is what I'm dealing with. You know, mm -hmm. that may be something that someone needs too. So yeah. yeah, I love creating spaces and places where people can be supported. And especially, you know, when it comes to support, knowing that to be intentional, with where you get support from, because not everybody, and I've seen this in my own life, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you've probably seen this too, you know, being a, a change maker and, and doing things that are outside of the box of the norm, 
you know, what I'm doing in, in my family is very outside of the box. So I have to be very selective of what I share in terms of new ideas or, you know, if I'm taking unknown steps to be selective of where I go to receive support because I know I'm not going to receive it. And I had to learn that the hard way. The people that were the closest to me could not support me in the ways that I needed to be supported. So, you know, that was another reason why I wanted to create that space is to know that women will always be supported in everything that they do. And receiving that support is such a powerful thing. Mm, Yeah, that's so true. Because if we're asking for feedback, like if, if that's like a habit is sometimes it's like, oh, I want to do this thing. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you, and we ask like 10 people, like be aware of who you're asking, right? Yeah. Because they're coming in with their own bias, their own story, their own set of beliefs. And if you're in a process of change and growth, then they may be giving you feedback that is discouraging some of that change And that's really about their perspective and their beliefs and has nothing to do with what you should do. Yeah. And another eye-opening thing when it comes to that is, and this is like through some research that I've done, a lot of women that are stepping in and doing new and unknown things, a majority of them struggle with permission. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, when they're asking, like you said, like, I'm doing this, what do you think about this? You know, essentially they're asking for that permission. Permission, yeah. And it's like, you know, that's why I try to get them in this space because I want them to realize you don't need anyone's permission. Like now I still share, you know, things with certain people because I want them to realize you don't have to cut off the world because just because you're, you're taking out a box, you're doing out of box ideas and taking next level steps. You don't have to cut off the world. You just have to be intentional to know where you're going to receive your support, right? Mm -hmm. Like I always (laughs) shout my mom out again. You know, my mom is always the one that's to give me every reason in the book to not do the thing. Like she's supportive of me, but she's always like, well, I don't know about that. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, yeah, like, you know, she'll give me every reason in the book to not do the thing. So like, I know going in, like, I'm going to share this with her, but I know like, I'm not going to get what I want. Like I'm intentional. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just telling her, but I know because I don't need her permission. Right. Whereas before, like 10 years ago. She might have, I might have had that interaction with her, like, hey, mom, I'm thinking I'm starting a coaching business and her giving me every reason. I'd be like, you know what? You're right. Yeah, no, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. So, yeah. you know, be really intentional and know you don't, ha- you don't have to cut off every relationship. Sure. You just have to be intentional on in who you share things with. Right. And to, and like you said, that that certain people aren't going to give you the permission that you're seeking and they're not going to give you the approval that you might be seeking. So yeah. share you know, with discretion. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Oh my gosh. There's so much more that I know we could talk about, but this has been amazing. And I did schedule a date for your podcast. So I can't wait to awesome. come on staying inspired because I just, we get to continue the combo. Yes. But before we wrap up and talk about where folks can find you, last little fun question is I just have to know what are some of your go-to karaoke songs? Cause I know you're big into karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you asked this question. Okay, so some of my go-tos are for non-blondes. What's going on? Hell love yeah. that. What else do I love? I've been, oh, wow. Heart, heart is a big one for me. Heart. Alone. Um, Deeper do alone. Yes. I love that one. Yep. <laughs> yep. A lot of Lady Gaga. Love her. <laughs> I try to keep it within my range. 
you know, mm-hmm. when I'm performing. <laughs> Come on um, down to Nashville. We'll go yeah. see some karaoke. <laughs> but, you know, I love, I just love a good karaoke. You know, when me and my girlfriends are around, of course, it's like all like the 90s jams. Like we all just have our own jam session. And I remember one time we went on vacation, a uh, family vacation, and we all sang like Disney tunes. And that was really fun too. But yeah, for me, it was the ones that I had mentioned. You know, Lady Gaga's big. There's someone else too that I always go to and that I'm missing on the tip of my tongue. Can't think of her, but she's another powerhouse that I love singing to. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So tell the people where they can find you and what you have going on right now. All right. So you can find me on the gram, Instagram, Official. Right now, I have my podcast, Staying Inspired with Amanda Yoa, always putting out some amazing episodes with some amazing guests. Be sure to check that out. I am launching pretty soon. I have my team working on. I'll have a a website to go along with it. Next Level Women, which is my community of dynamic powerhouse women, you know, striving for excellence and success in all realms of life from career personal development, health, wellness, relationships, you know, our focus is supporting each other to reach our fullest potential. I do have an accountability group. We meet every Monday and Friday at 1130 a.m. Eastern via Zoom. So if you're interested in that, you know, to be supported, to share your wins, share your intentions for the week and to network and collaborate. It's a great space to be in. So check that out over on Instagram and link is in my bio. Very cool. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. Yes, let's and do it. Yes. And I will see you on the flip side. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating to help other people find this podcast. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same with dots between the words. Also make sure to sign up for my weekly tough love notes where I bring even more vulnerability and strategies to plug into your day-to-day. Look for that at badbitchtherapist.co. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and slay the hell out of this week. Bye.